Welcome to the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Anne Louise Gittleman is a New York Times bestselling author of over 37 books on diet, detox, the environment, and women's health. For more than four decades, Anne Louise has been regarded as a leading voice and visionary in nutrition and who has fearlessly stood on the front lines of holistic and integrative medicine. For more information, check out annlouise.com. That's A-N-N-L-O-U-I-S-E.com. And here's your host, Anne Louise Gittleman. Hey, everyone. Please join me in welcoming Ross Pelton, the natural pharmacist, who has written about the most effective life extension drug that has ever been discovered. Take it away, Ross Pelton. It's a pleasure to be with you, Anne Louise. I've, we've known each other for a long time, and I appreciate the work that you've continued to do to educate people about different health-related topics and I'm really happy to be able to be on with you today and share information about my new book, which is titled Rapamycin, mTOR, Autophagy and Treating mTOR Syndrome. Now, I know a lot of people are not going to be familiar with these terms, and non-scientific people might be uh, kind of intimidated by this, but I assure you that after I talk about these new topics for a few minutes, People listening will understand the significance of these new topics and how they can benefit their long-term health. So let me start out by saying that there are two main topics in my book. The first topic is the drug rapamycin. And rapamycin is the most successful life extension drug that's ever been discovered. So that's a pretty interesting story in and of itself. But there's a more interesting topic in my mind uh, 25 years or more of research into discovering and learning rapamycin's mechanisms of action have resulted in two new topics coming to the forefront. And these topics are titled mTOR and autophagy. And I'll get into a discussion and an explanation of what these terms mean and why they're significant in a few minutes. But this is really a revolutionary new understanding of metabolism and health in the aging process. So let me start from the beginning and give people um, a little background on how this drug rapamycin was discovered. Um, back in 1964, a group of Canadian scientists went to Easter Island on a scientific expedition. And their purpose for this expedition was to look for possible sources for new antibiotic and new antifungal drugs. Now, the reason they chose Easter Island for their scientific expedition is another kind of interesting story. For centuries, horses have run wild on Easter Island. There were actually far more horses than there were indigenous people living on the island. And where horses are prevalent, you usually find tetanus bacteria in the area. But the scientists in Canada had learned that all the Easter Islanders go barefoot. So if all these human people, the inhabitants of Easter Island are going barefoot and they're in an environment where tetanus is likely to be present, why aren't these people getting tetanus? So that was the purpose of the expedition to see if there was something in the environment on Easter Island 
that protected the inhabitants from getting tetanus. So the scientists took soil samples from many different areas of the island, took them back to their labs and started to study them. And they discovered a compound that they ultimately named rapamycin, which is actually produced by a strain of soil bacteria. So this is a naturally produced compound in nature. That's one thing I like to stress. This is not some never before seen molecule that's created by the pharmaceutical industry. This is a natural product produced by a strain of soil bacteria in nature. And <clears throat> when bacteria produce products, we call those products postbiotic metabolites. So this is another way of understanding what this compound rapamycin is. But they started testing rapamycin and it showed that it had very powerful antifungal capabilities. So started to develop it as a new drug for the pharmaceutical industry as an antifungal drug. But after some initial studies, they learned that rapamycin caused a pretty severe suppression of the immune system. So all that research on the development of rapamycin as an antifungal drug was discontinued. However, a number of years later, scientists started to realize that this might be a drug that's appropriate for people to get an organ transplant because following an organ transplant, the recipient needs to be on immune suppressing medications for the rest of their life to prevent their new organ from being rejected. So in uh, September of 1999, the FDA actually approved rapamycin as a drug for patients who have just received a kidney transplant as an immune suppressive drug to prevent the rejection of the new kidney. And a couple of years later, rapamycin was approved as a chemotherapy agent to treat several different types of solid tumors because when samples of rapamycin were sent to the National Cancer Institute, they tested it and were really surprised to find out that rapamycin was working as an anti-cancer agent by an entirely new mechanism. Most chemotherapy drugs are called cytotoxic. They kill the cancer cell by poisoning it. And in the same thing, the same vein, a lot of side effects occur because those, those poisons damage other cells in the body. You're killing the rapidly dividing cancer cells, but you're also killing rapidly dividing cells in the gastrointestinal tract and the bone marrow and so forth. But anyway, um, just to kind of summarize here. So FDA um, has approved rapamycin for prevention of organ transplant rejection and has several types of chemotherapy agents. Um, I didn't finish my previous thought. Um, the uh, most chemotherapy drugs are cytotoxic. Rapamycin works by an entirely new mechanism. It's cytostatic. It suppresses the activity or stops the activity of the cancer growth, but it's not cytotoxic. It doesn't cause all the side effects that these strong chemotherapy agents cause. So, and this actually resulted in the National Cancer Institute putting rapamycin on a fast track for studying. Um, and consequently, it was approved for a couple of different types of cancer. So this actually creates a barrier to accepting rapamycin as a drug for life extension. Because to begin with, many doctors aren't familiar with rapamycin, even though it's been FDA approved since 1999. And most of the doctors that are familiar with rapamycin only know it as a drug that causes immune system suppression that's used in um, organ transplant patients, 
or several different types of chemotherapy. And most doctors are not going to prescribe an immunosuppressing drug or chemotherapy to health and life extension enthusiasts who want a better, longer life. And so this- So let me just, let me ask you a question. Sure. Are there actual contraindications to the use of this longevity drug? The First Lady of Nutrition podcast is brought to you by Purity Coffee with 65% higher levels of antioxidants than other organic coffees. Purity Coffee uses third-party labs to test for pesticides, mold, mycotoxins, and heavy metals. Purity Coffee also uses a proprietary roasting protocol that retains high levels of bioactive compounds and that have been linked to specific health benefits and is especially supportive of the heart and liver, which Anne Louise writes about in Radical Metabolism and Radical Longevity. Go to puritycoffee.com and enter coupon code ALG25 for 25% off your first order. That's puritycoffee.com and enter coupon code ALG25 for 25% off your first order. And now back to the podcast. Well, um, that's what I want to explain in our discussion here, um, Anne-Louise, because when people take rapamycin for organ transplant rejection prevention or chemotherapy, they take it every single day. And when you take rapamycin every single day, yes, you can cause immune system suppression and a number of other side effects. But what has been discovered is that when you take rapamycin just once a week instead of every single day, there can be tremendous health benefits. So let me back up and explain now what rapamycin does, how it works, what the mechanism of action is, and that will lead me into a discussion and an explanation of these new terms mTOR and autophagy. And this is a really critical, important new story. And it's a, a whole revolution in our understanding of health and the aging process. Excellent. Take it away. Okay. So when you take rapamycin, it gets absorbed into your system and it will cross cellular membranes. And once it's inside the cell, rapamycin binds with an intracellular protein. And da David Sabatini discovered the mechanism of action of rapamycin and this protein that it binds to. So he named the protein mTOR, which stands for mechanistic target of rapamycin. Kind of a cumbersome name, but that's what we're left with. But so it's small m, capital T, capital O, capital R. So mTOR is simply the site of action of rapamycin. Rapamycin goes into the cell and binds to mTOR. Well, what, what's mTOR? Turns out that mTOR is a key signaling molecule inside every cell, and mTOR is a sensor of nutrients. When nutrients are available, mTOR sends signals to the cell that says, use these nutrients to build new enzymes, build new proteins, build new cellular components, proliferate, grow, grow, grow. That's one side of the equation. That's the explanation of mTOR. And as I mentioned, rapamycin goes into the cell, binds to mTOR, so it's slightly, it's inhibiting mTOR's reaction and activity. The other side of the equation, in 2016, a Japanese scientist, uh, Yoshinori Osumi, won the 2016 Nobel Prize for discovering autophagy. This is another really critically important topic, and most people are not aware of it. Autophagy is kind of the rest phase in cells. It's mTOR and autophagy are kind of counterbalancing cellular 
metabolic regulatory processes. So mTOR on my left hand here is sensing when nutrients are available and it's sending out signals build and grow and proliferate. When nutrients are not available, mTOR is not being activated and then autophagy starts to be activated. And autophagy is kind of, in a sense, the rest phase in cells, whereas mTOR is the build and grow phase. I equate autophagy to sleep. We call sleep our rest phase, but really we're not totally resting when we're sleeping. There's a tremendous amount of biological activity going on during sleep. And it's the same thing with autophagy. It's the rest phase of the cell as opposed to mTOR, which is build and grow. But autophagy is the period where cells will target damaged, old, underfunctioning cellular components and break them down and either get them out of the cell, which is cellular detoxification, or use the components to build healthy new cells. For example, you might have a twisted folded protein that's not functioning anymore. The cells will break that down into its component amino acids, and then they'll utilize that, those amino acids to rebuild new, healthy new cells or new proteins and no, new enzymes and components within the cell. But isn't autophagy what happens during intermittent fasting? Exactly, Anne Louise, you hit the nail on the head because that is the natural way to rebalance this mTOR autophagy equation that I call it. And so here's the, how this all relates to health. Throughout 99.99% of human evolution, mTOR and autophagy were in balance. When I say in balance, I don't mean equal amounts of time. And in my book, I have a little picture of a teeter-totter, a little fulcrum, and then on top is a, a horizontal line, and mTOR and autophagy are in balance. But throughout most of human evolution, people didn't get up in the morning and go to the refrigerator and open the refrigerator door and take out milk and start to make a bowl of cereal, start to make eggs. People didn't eat three meals a day for 99.99% of human evolution. And remember, mTOR here is a sensor of nutrients. But if people are only eating one meal a day, then mTOR is not getting activated nearly as much. And historians and anthropologists um, theorize that most of our human ancestors for millions and millions of years had to forage for food and only ate one meal a day, which means they probably spent about four hours a day digesting their one meal and went 20 hours a day without any nutrients coming in. And so here, ancestral humans were balanced in mTOR and autophagy when they ate once a day and spent four hours digesting their food and spent 20 hours a day without nutrients coming in. But these days, food is easily available, so people are eating all the time. And so modern humans get up in the morning and start eating breakfast at seven o'clock, and then they have mid-meal snacks and afternoon snacks and dinner and, and lunch and so forth. And then they have a dessert and an evening cocktail at bedtime. And so 
you might go from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. for people eating these days. And then there's another four hour of food digestion following that. That's 12 plus four, that's 16 hours of intake of nutrients per day, whereas ancestral humans only had four hours. Most people today are spending four times more every day with nutrients coming into their body, which creates an overexpression of mTOR on a constant basis. And autophagy down here, the cellular recycling and revitalization and renewal and detoxification is never getting enough time. That is an unbalanced situation in every cell in the body in most people alive today. And I think it's a critical um, health-related issue that is an underlying cause for most of the health problems that are going on. Now, I think that the health of humanity in many respects is in a rapid decline. Why do I say that? When I was a kid growing up in the 1950s and 1960s, we didn't have any of the epidemics that we have today. And today I say we have an epidemic of epidemics. We've got an epidemic of heart disease. We've got an epidemic of cancer. We've got an epidemic of high blood pressure. We have an epidemic of strokes, an epidemic of Alzheimer's disease, an epidemic of Parkinson's disease. Autoimmune too. On and on and on. So this epidemic of epidemics that has really started to accelerate since the 1950s, that's also the time when there were some major changes in our eating habits because refrigeration came into line in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, and pretty soon every household has a refrigerator and a freezer so they could store food and make food more easily available all the time. And then after World War II, the food packaging industry and food preservatives and so forth, and now you have food easily available 24-7. Hardly anybody lives more than a mile from a convenience market where they can get fast foods and junk foods and so forth. So people are eating all the time, and mTOR is always getting expressed. It's overexpressed, and there's not enough time in autophagy, which is detoxification and actually rebuilding healthy new cells and a healthy new body. So I think that's a major health problem. And you mentioned intermittent fasting, and louise Correct. Intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating are methods of consuming all of your calories in a narrower, narrower period of time. So there's more time without calories, which gives autophagy time to be activated. Exactly. And this is what rapamycin does. There's many people that probably won't discipline themselves to do intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating, but rapamycin goes into the cell and binds with mTOR and partially inhibits mTOR. So it gives autophagy time to start to function. And in hundreds and hundreds of animal studies, Anne Louise, rapamycin has been shown to slow down the onset of virtually every single age-related disease known. All the metabolic diseases, all the neurological diseases, all of the different inflammatory and cardiovascular diseases, all these types of disease, diseases improve significantly in animal models when they start rapamycin therapy. Now we don't have life extension studies in humans. We can't do them. We can't do studies that run that long. But there have been several studies in humans that have shown 
and that this is probably going to be a, a revolution for human health also. Because if you stop to think of it, the animal models have very much the same physiology that we do. They have a heart and kidneys and liver and lungs and a digestive system is very similar. And they make the same neurotransmitters and they need the same vitamins and minerals and so forth. So there's a lot of similarity in these animal models that leads us to think that we can convert the information into possibilities for human health improvement. Um, the so first, you take this, Ross Pelton, and to tell our listeners how old you are, because you look terrific. I'm 79, working on 80 degrees, 80 years old. I'm, I'm 80 in, years young. Yep, I'm inching towards 80. Um, and yes, I do take rapamycin, and I think just virtually everybody alive can benefit from taking it. I would say the only people that probably can't benefit are people that are on a respirator or already in hospice or um, on life support systems. That's too late for most people. And also I wanna emphasize, you do not give rapamycin to children or even young adults because that's a time of rapid growth. And mTOR is this sensor inside cells that senses when nutrients are available and gives the build and grow signals. So during rapid growth, infancy and childhood and, and young adulthood, you would not want to shut down mTOR. But the problem is that because of lifestyles and eating habits, almost everybody is overexpressing mTOR and not getting time in autophagy. So I think around late 30s, early 40s, 50s is absolutely a good time for people to consider start taking rapamycin. So you take and, it once a week, boss? Yes, uh, I take uh, six milligrams once a week, and I'll explain how I arrived at that dosage. That's the most common dosage that people take. The first human clinical trial that really was a breakthrough because it, it showed scientists and the, the scientific community that intermittent dosing of rapamycin once per week could provide significant health benefits. This uh, experiment was designed by physician Dr. Joan Manick, who was working at Novartis, one of the big drug companies. She had a very unique position uh, where her superiors told her that she could work on anything she wanted to work on. So Joan decided she wanted to work on the aging process, and she had to select something that was measurable in humans. And so she selected the human immune system as her target to measure. And she selected elderly human beings, um, 65 years and older. Um, and so one thing I wanna emphasize about elderly human beings, every single person 65 years and old and older has a significant decline in their immune system compared to people in their 20s and 30s. This is part of the aging process. So she selected a group of people that had, say, inferior um, immune system response compared to when they were younger. She divided 218 people into four groups. She gave one group a dose of a rapamycin-like drug, um, 0.5 milligrams every single day. The second group got five milligrams once a week. And the third group got 20 milligrams once a week. The fourth group was the placebo group. They took their medications for six weeks. 
At the end of six weeks, there was a two-week washout period. And then after the two-week washout period, all these elderly individuals received the seasonal flu vaccine. And then Dr. Manick measured how their immune system responded to the challenge of the flu vaccine. It turned out that the sweet spot was the five milligrams once a week. Those individuals got on average about a 20% boost to the effectiveness of their immune system. Now that's a pretty significant improvement. And for elderly people that have a 20% stronger immune system, that's going to translate into better health and, and uh, slowing down the aging process. So that was the first human trial. And most people today uh, are taking six milligrams once a week because rapamycin is available in two milligram tablets. Uh, now, let me tell you a little. But do you need a do you need a doctor's prescription? You do need a doctor's prescription, and as I mentioned the fact that rapamycin is a chemotherapy agent, and it is also used for organ transplant rejection, and um, patients that are getting organ transplants. Those are barriers to rapamycin being accepted by the traditional medical community. So my book is designed to accelerate the learning curve on rapamycin and the importance of mTOR and autophagy so that people can understand it. People can take my book to their doctor or give my book to their doctor and say, look, I want to start taking this drug. It's very safe. It's been FDA approved for over 20 years. Millions of people have taken this drug. And now there's significant evidence that low-dose rapamycin taken once a week rebalances the mTOR autophagy ratio and provides significant health benefits and health outcomes. You know, it sounds so, like low-dose lithium, which can prevent- You're right, it's got some similarities to that also and low-dose naltrexone and so forth. But, but rapamycin, what's really fascinating here, Alan Wies, is that mTOR has been discovered to be present in single cell organisms from fossil samples that are 3.5 billion years old. Scientists have discovered that mTOR was present in single cell organisms when life began to emerge on earth. So this is what we call a highly conserved trait. This is so fundamental to how metabolism works in every single living organism that it's critical to metabolism health in the aging process of every cell of every living organism. And we as humans are just starting to learn about mTOR and autophagy and voila, we find out we're way out of balance and that's causing significant health problems. Well, what do people notice when they take this particular healthy medicine? Well, that's a good question. Um, and I'd say that it varies. Um, mTOR um, when, when rapamycin binds with mTOR, one of the major effects is an anti-inflammatory effect. So some people will experience a reduction in inflammation, people with chronic inflammatory situations. Um, but I like to kind of put this on a, a, a par with something like vitamin D or vitamin C. When you take a vitamin D tablet, or when you take your vitamin C dose on a daily basis, what do you feel? You don't feel all of a sudden really different, really better. You just take it because you understand and know that it's good for you. Well, this well can is... you see, here's what I'm after. Can you see changes in the skin, less brown spots, less sagging, less bagging? 
Hi, my friends. Before I go any further, let me take a moment to, to acknowledge my sponsor, Unikey Health at UnikeyHealth.com, which is your universal key to health since 1992. I have been a spokesperson for this company for over 30 years. They're the home of all my weight loss plans, the Fat Blasting Bio Builder, which has been featured in national magazines. They also carry the Ultimate Brain Support and the Magnesium Multitasker. So whether it's weight loss, internal cleansing, or just targeted health support, go to unikeyhealth.com. Tell them Anne Louise sent you. Um, these changes take place gradually over time. One of the major benefits is weight loss. And rapamycin has been serious, being seriously considered as a potential weight loss drug um, for humans. And, uh, <laughs> well, let me, here's a, a really unique study that was conducted with rapamycin. They used a strain of mice that are selectively bred to develop diabetes and obesity at a very early age. So they selected these mice, divide them into two groups. One is being given rapamycin, the other is the control group. And at, they start them off at two months of age and they run the experiment for six months. At this end of six months, the rapamycin treated mice had 58% less body weight and let me see, 33% less fat mass and significantly improved insulin sensitivity. So that's a really remarkable, wow, remarkable outcome. And in the animal models and studies where there is weight loss, the primary site of weight loss is the visceral abdominal fat. And that's one thing that I personally noticed, Anne Louise, in the last nine months or so that I've been taking rapamycin, I've lost about 15 pounds gradually over time. But the main area that it's noticeably changed is my love handles. You know, I used to have a, a good little chunk No more of... love handles on Dr. Ross <laughs> So um, that's my personal experience. Um, another interesting story here, Anne Louise, when I got my prescription filled, I took wait it to my local drug. Wait a minute, before we jump into that, sure. is it expensive? Uh, yes, it is. That's what I'm going to ease into right now <laughs> okay. in getting my prescription filled. Thank um, you. So I took my prescription to my local drugstore here in Ashland, Oregon, um, Ashland Drug. Pharmacist looked at it. He looked it up and he said, yeah, it's available, but I'm not going to order this for you. I said, why not? And he said, well, this costs well over $3,000 for a bottle of 102 milligram tablets. You're going to get your prescription filled for a few tablets. And I've got all this money tied up in inventory that's not turning over. So I said, okay, and I took my prescription and went to Rite Aid Pharmacy in town, big national chain drugstore. They don't have such tight inventory controls. They ordered it for me and I get it every month on a $20 copay for my insurance program. So I get it very reasonably paid on my um, insurance program. Um, so I encourage people to try that. Um, another thing that people are running into it's hard to get a, a physician to write a prescription for this. I encourage people to try to educate their doctor about it and make my book and my articles available to your physician. But on the other and hand- tell them where they can get the book. Yes, um, the, thank you. The book can be ordered from lifeextension.com forward slash RAPA, R-A-P-A. 
And Anne Louise, I've sent you um, three different articles that I've written that have been published in medical journals on rapamycin. Um, one was published in the Townsend Letter. One of my articles was published in uh, Integrative Medicine. And the third article is an interview with me in Life Extension Magazine. I, I sent these articles to you along with the links that you could post in the show notes because some people might be hesitant to go ahead and order a book, but they can click on the link and read my articles for free. Excellent. And I think that will convince them that this is something they want to look into further. They can order my book and take it from there. So I'll make sure you get those show notes. And tell us in closing why everybody needs this. Um, mTOR and autophagy are out of balance in most people alive today because people eat so frequently compared to our ancestors over the last 300,000 years or more. And so with mTOR and autophagy being out of balance, mTOR is always being expressed and that increases the risk for all different types of diseases, metabolic diseases, cancer diseases, neurological diseases, and autophagy is not getting time to function. Rapamycin will partially inhibit mTOR, give autophagy time to start to function, which detoxifies your body. And it, what most people don't realize is it rebuilds your body. You're breaking down old cellular components and rebuilding with healthy new cellular components. So you're really reversing some of the aging process. And some of the animal model, especially cardiovascular disease, they're showing an actual reversal of many of the symptoms of that disease. It's not just slowing it down or preventing it, it's reversing it. So I think everybody, um, I'll hedge, most people can really benefit. Most people can benefit from taking rapamycin. And I encourage people to also eat a healthy diet, organically grown food, exercise regularly, you know, um, intermittent fasting. The more good things you do, the faster you'll see improvements and you'll end up not only increasing your lifespan, more importantly, you're increasing your health span. And your you know, use span. Most, exactly, most exactly. importantly. Yeah. So, so thank you so much, Ross Pelton. Once again, where can we get the book? You can get the book by ordering it from www.lifeextension.com forward slash RAPA, R-A-P-A. And that'll be in the notes that I send you following our interview. I love that. Thanks for being my guest. Will you come back? I certainly will. I love it. And actually, I'm getting ready to print a second edition of my book because the first printing is almost out and there will be probably at least four new chapters in the second edition. I love mm -hmm. that. What, Lots what of new information. So very nice being with you and uh, I hope all when your- is the uh, new, When is the new book coming out? Uh, we want to have it ready by sometime by October. Um, and here's in closing, just another piece of pretty interesting information, Anne-Marie. Um, Google ads reported that this far in 2022, there's been a 900% increase in Google searches for rapamycin. So wow. that just tells you how wow. incredibly fast this information is developing interest in the general public. Um, and there's hundreds of rapamycin studies that have been published already this year and that are indexed in PubMed. So this is a scientific revolution in the science of anti-aging and life extension. Sounds like it's very, very promising. Yeah. Okay. So good health to you. Thank you very much. Good health. Good Good health, good health reversal. May you live till 120. That's what we're working on. You take care.
Thank you. And thanks to all my listeners for listening to First Lady of Nutrition. Have a magnificent week full of health, vitality, and peace. Shalom uvracha. And please don't forget to subscribe and like First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Thank you so very much.